0: going with mark fairchild to turkey is kind of like going with admiral Byrd to antarctica it's
1: the experiences that he's built up over the years that keep him searching for new answers to old problems he wants to go there he wants to see it for himself
2: so he's in that tradition of uh, adventurer archaeologist.
0: the greeks were there the roman empire paul's journeys took place in turkey people don't tend to be aware of everything that took place there and just how important that country is in terms of western civilization there are stretches of these roman roads all over rough cilicia nobody walks them but when you connect the dots, you're able to see where the roads went and where it is that Paul likely traveled as he went through this region. That's what keeps me going, that's the drive, that's the reason why I come back to Turkey, is the prospect of uh, seeing something new and being places that few people on the face of the earth have ever been, and most places that most people will never be.
1: Hello and welcome to Hardy Party of Five and a
3: Half. Well, hello, Rebecca. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm
1: good. Do you want to hear me sing a song?
3: I would love, to, you have a lovely voice. I would love to hear a song.
1: I don't know about that, but here we go. Dun, 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 okay, dun, What's that from?
3: Oh, that's from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Specifically the Raiders March from Raiders of the Lost Art. Why do you know that? because I love everything Indiana Jones.
1: You're a nerd.
3: I loved all the movies. I even enjoyed Crystal Skull, which a lot of people there. didn't. I'm totally stoked for the new movie. There's one more Indiana Jones. There coming.
1: is? Who's oh, yeah. going to be Indiana Jones?
3: Uh Harrison Ford? No way. Oh yeah. He's still alive?
1: <laughs> Just <laughs> kidding.
3: Harrison is still he is a spry 80-year-old and he's ready to find some archaeology stuff
1: okay well if you butt. like indiana jones and the bible you're gonna love our guest today scott you're gonna love our guest today oh yes, yes you're about to totally nerd and geek out oh yeah because we have mark fairchild on our podcast today he's from the show the last apostle
3: and that's on prime it's a prime. free documentary on prime yes. i watched it on a plane trip recently
1: this guy travels together all over turkey really is his main he's been
3: everywhere but he's really focused on turkey
1: yeah that's his main location right now listen he scales walls he goes into canyons he's how old is he i don't know older than us yes and he is doing some things that we i wouldn't do he's just like harrison ford he really is and they do they call him indiana mark well he's from indiana but he also literally is doing this i mean he is he's amazing he goes places
3: that other people don't want to go yes. to discover things that no one would have discovered right. if he had not gone
2: there
1: yes and you you just wait because you're going to learn some things today that he is working on with a team that are just hot off the press new stuff it's going to blow your mind so get ready hold on to your indiana jones hats
3: those are called fedoras
1: <laughs> yeah hold up your fedora here we go mark fairchild Thank you so much for joining us, what people call you, Indiana Mark, which we'll explain that in a little bit. But you graduated from Penn State with a a degree in biology. So what happened after college that totally changed the trajectory of your life and career?
0: Well, it boils down to the fact that I became a Christian. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't come from a Christian family and uh, went to Penn State took up a curriculum first in mathematics because I was really good in mathematics and then I switched over to biology because I thought that was fascinating and interesting. Uh, really concentrated on genetics and genetics are the building blocks of evolutionary theory and if it didn't happen through slow progressive genetic change then it didn't happen at all mm-hmm. according to evolutionary theory. I didn't buy it. I took classes in just a host of different uh, sciences while at Penn State, and it seemed to me that the perception was they're almost trying to convince people that this is how it happened, Mm
2: -hmm. but the
0: bottom line is the evidence isn't there, you know, that that this world was atheistically, you know, came into existence, you know, without a God, and uh, so after I graduated from Penn State, I wasn't really looking for religious literature or Christian literature, but books more or less fell into my lap Mm -hmm. and uh, they spoke to me uh, indicating that in fact there was a god Uh, one book in particular uh, a book written by robert jastrow who is the former director of the goddard space institute he wrote a book called god and the astronomers well i had always had an interest in astronomy even took a class in astronomy at penn state Uh, when i was a kid i had a telescope and uh, so I picked up the book and started to read it. And Jastrow explains that he's a, an agnostic. He doesn't know if there's a God or not, but he says there are certain developments and discoveries that are being made in the field of astronomy that have uh, caused him to pause and to wonder if there really is a God. And he was punching me in the face. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was hitting me on the numbers. A lot of the things that I was wondering about as well and then it's interesting because at the very end of the book, he says science is climbing a mountain of knowledge. Hmm. And when the scientists finally crest the last peak, they may discover a happy band of theologians who've been sitting <laughs> there the whole time.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. That's an awesome,
3: and, that's an awesome word picture.
1: I love that because you're right. I mean, so often we hear how science and the Bible don't go hand in hand. They really do go hand in hand. And that you're proving that, you know, and but we do hear that definitely from big universities all the time.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well I went to the big secular university. Yeah. Penn State's no different than any other secular university across America. Mm-hmm. And and that's something I'm able to share with my students at Huntington University. I have a perspective. You know, I can come from that scientific perspective and say, hey, you know, look at the facts yourselves. And, and I'm not trying to tell you what to believe, but For me, at least, the testimony that spoke in uh, favor of God's existence is compelling. Yeah. And then the question is, what God? You know, Muslims talk about God. The Buddhists talk about God. The Christians talk about God. Which God has uh, the claim to authenticity? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this is where I ended up.
1: Yeah. So do you find there's like a... um... I mean, dividing between big secular university and even small Christian university. I mean, I know there is even some teaching at probably some Christian universities that don't align with probably what you're saying. So do you see that as like a hard line between secular and Christian universities? Or do you see a lot of Christian universities? Well,
0: Christian universities, of course, uh, you're talking about a broad spectrum. Yeah. When America was when America was first established, uh, you know maga lots to, likes to talk about what made america great well the bottom line is what made america great was the educational institutions that they established mm-hmm. our forefathers had the foresight to create colleges and universities which soon surpassed those even in europe so if you look at the top ranked universities across the world you look at the top 200, 45% of them are in the states and this is what enabled us as a nation to far outstripped Europe and the rest of the world. And it was what created a great nation. Um, And what's interesting is most of those institutions were uh, founded by churches to teach their pastors. And those institutions, of course, have long since drifted from that mission. So if you look at Harvard, you look at Princeton, you look at Yale, Mm -hmm. you know, you can go right down the line. Most of these old established very respected academic institutions in America today were institutions established by churches to train their own pastors, yeah. and they've dropped that. Now, what we've had in more recent years then is uh, Christian colleges were started as kind of a reaction to the secularism that has become so commonplace uh, among the state universities, uh, throughout and private universities. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the uh, Ivy League schools or private institutions; they're not state funded. But Christian colleges were established because it wasn't long before we realized that you know these institutions have drifted from their mission. Mm-hmm. But even once that had taken place, you know, today when you look at the panorama of Christian colleges and universities across America, there still is a uh, a variety of, of uh, institutions. Some of them are a little more in the secular direction. Mm-hmm. Others are a little more fundamentalist and, and yeah. to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you've, you've got uh, a variety of different schools with different perspectives on these issues.
2: Yeah,
0: um, This is where I feel that uh, this is, you know, Huntington University has been terrific, been a yeah. great place for me to, mm-hmm. to teach and to, uh, to settle.
2: Yeah.
3: Sounds great. So speaking of teaching, with the nickname Indiana Mark, I'm just picturing <laughs> you, I'm picturing you finishing class, <laughs> dropping everything, getting your bull whip, and running out, out <laughs> the door to catch a plane. So tell us where that nickname came from.
0: Well, it's, it certainly didn't come from me. <laughs> um, I travel to Turkey, as you probably know, every single year during the summertime, as soon as the semester lets out. I commonly travel by myself. And I go to locations where scant few people have ever been—the remote locations—and a lot of my Turkish friends, in particular, uh, have are concerned about me, concerned about my safety. You know, mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. uh, my Turkish friends were telling me to get a cell phone. <laughs> I only got a cell phone two years ago. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, I mean, on the last, you're Alaska. doing on the last. With no Last problems? person on the face of the earth, believe it or not, you know, you're looking at <laughs> With no them.
3: GPS around there.
1: How? Right,
0: you know. Oh so finally, you know, I, I got a cell phone. You know, what I used to tell them is, look, if I fall off a cliff, I'm going to be in no position to start punching numbers on the cell phone.
1: Right. Well, yeah, it doesn't really matter
0: a whole lot if I've yeah. got a cell phone.
1: But you probably gave some peace of mind to the people that love you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at any rate, um, I'm asked frequently to do seminars over in turkey and i did a seminar for turkish tour guides and these are people who are taking others around showing their antiquities but uh, the problem in turkey is they don't know anything about christianity Mm -hmm. they're not taught you know they're not taught christianity in their school system in the school system they begin their history with when islam entered into ancient anatolia Mm -hmm. forget about anything prior to that So these are tour guides who say we are increasingly getting a number of people who want to see the Christian sites, the biblical sites. We don't know about them. So I had a seminar and actually the the government, the uh, Ministry of Tourism and Culture, gave continuing education credit for my seminar, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, And we had 80, a little bit more than 80 tour guides from across Turkey come. And so I lectured. We also traveled around. We had uh, several buses that we took, and I would on site uh, travel through some of the biblical sites, pointing out artifacts and items that um, the tour guides can share with the, the groups that they're leading, you know, and, and how it relates to the Bible. And so they are the ones that came up with the Indiana Mark <laughs> business because they know how I travel, they know I'm out there in these. these remote places and then of course i come from indiana yeah that's where the indiana connection comes from right yeah but at the end of our seminar uh, the tour guides had someone photoshop my face <laughs> onto harrison ford's poster
3: that's awesome okay. we might have In to do that too i'm just warning you so. do what we might have to do that too for the podcast so. <laughs> just you. Well,
0: i can send you the poster oh yeah i'd love to see that that'd be awesome yeah i'll I'll send it via email oh my god and and then they so they they gave me this poster it's nice laminated large poster they also put it on a t-shirt and told (laughs) me i had to promise to wear that first day of class when i got back so it's kind of embarrassing you know
3: (laughs) that's cool
0: I was gonna uh,
1: say, do you find this a little silly and embarrassing or do you kind of eat it up or a little of both? Well,
0: uh, I guess a little bit of both. You know, yeah. I'm not offended by that. I, I like the Harrison Ford movie, you know, the Indiana yeah, Jones yeah. movies. They're they're interesting. But I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, an Indiana Jones.
1: all right Yeah. <laughs> but
0: but you, I can't I can't escape it either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do your students think you're so cool? I want all of my kids to take class from you. <laughs>
0: Well, they're welcome to come. You know, I actually, I have, I have many people who are uh, retirees or people who live in the Huntington community who come to my archaeology class. It's at noon.
2: Uh-huh. So I
0: tell them, you know, take your lunch break, bring a sack lunch with you, come sit in in class. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I have others that'll, that'll typically join me in my archaeology class, and I welcome that. I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not all caught up on just focusing on students. I'm here to, mm-hmm. to share what I've learned it's interesting, fascinating. I, I love what I do, and uh, I'd love to share that with whoever would uh, like to be. You have it
1: online? Do you have an online class?
0: Well, we did do a little bit of that during Zoom with the uh, the COVID season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we've since dispatched with that. All of our classes are are face to face.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Well,
3: and what's cool about you going to Turkey with it not being a Christian area? You can kind of you can share the gospel while you're going to all these sites.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: that's a cool way to share the gospel.
0: Well, yeah. And what's interesting is, as I mentioned, I travel by myself, typically, and I'll drive up to some remote location. And there's going to be a small village there. Typically, the Turkish gentleman, the elderly gentleman will be at a cafe where they're drinking chai, that is tea.
2: Mm-hmm. And when
0: I drive up immediately, all the eyes come over to me like, Who's this? <laughs> you know, because you know, nobody visits these sites, you know, these yeah. places. Yeah, And so I'll, I'll go up and pull up a chair and order a, a, a chai. And they start asking me questions. What is your name? Where are you from? And what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tell them, I'm, I'm looking for antiquities. I, I understand that there are old cities. Typically, there's like one old city that's somewhere in the vicinity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm, I'm trying to find it. Uh, they're not always well marked on the map and they will give me directions. And commonly, it's it's amazing, these people will hop in the car with me, go to the site, spend three, four, five hours with me, and they're eager to find out what are in the ruins that are next to their village because they don't know anything about it. So I'm able to share with them a little bit about, okay, this dates back to the Hellenistic period, this dates back to the Roman period, the Byzantine period. Over here, we have a church, a kalise, that's the Turkish word for church. And oh, yeah, yeah, what I, I try and tell them is, you know, your ancestors were Christians.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Oh, yeah? yeah, they don't <laughs> even know that. Wow. Well, um, again, this is something that is, is not well publicized in Turkey and is certainly not taught in the school.
1: Yeah. And is that what keeps you going back to Turkey? Those connections?
0: Well, the connections are certainly part of it. You know, the hospitality in Turkey is just unbelievable. These people will insist that I have dinner with them, with their family. Sometimes they want me to stay with them overnight. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I've canceled hotel reservations, (laughs) you know, because, you know, my new friend now is insisting that I spend the night with them. And so, you know, the the hospitality and the connection that you make is, is tremendous. But the primary reason I'm over there, of course, is for my research—the research that I'm doing in in Turkey. Yeah, it's it's kind of a combination of both.
3: Yeah. So, so what are the most? What are some of the most compelling things you found in Turkey, in all this traveling?
0: You know, people always ask me the question, "What is my favorite site?" (laughs) And um, it's hard to say. I've been to more than 500 sites, (laughs) date back to the Greek, Hellenistic, and Roman period. And I haven't found all of them. You know, yeah. there, there's, there's more out there. Um, one of the things that, that I discovered was a synagogue. This is on my uh, website, if you've seen it.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, that
0: dates back to Hellenistic period. That may be the oldest synagogue anywhere in the world. Oh, wow. And uh, after this was found, I was invited to Vienna. Uh, Vienna University has a, uh, an institute uh, for Jewish studies, and mm-hmm. they invited me to come out and share. So they also invited Jewish scholars from Jerusalem, Yeshiva University, and New York City. Steve Fine is a good friend of mine from Yeshiva University,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I was able to share with them what I had discovered at it. a location called Chet Urin, and uh, you know, good responses from them. You know, mm-hmm. very very much interested, and. Uh, The problem is it's a remote site. This is probably one of the reasons why nobody previously had found the site is it's hard to get to the place. Yeah. And and it's going to be difficult also if anybody ever decides to plunk money down to excavate it, Mm. uh, the difficulties of actually getting there and moving heavy equipment are going to complicate the whole whole venture.
3: Well, and now I'm seeing that, you know, in the Indiana Jones movies where the red line goes over the (laughs) map. Now I'm seeing your red line go over the map there. (laughs) So... (laughs) What detective work did you do to be able to, like, specifically on that one, how did you know that was going to be there? How did you track that down?
0: I didn't. I had no idea whatsoever. Really? Um, I had gone to this area. It's it's about 40 miles southwest of Tarsus. You probably recognize Tarsus as being Paul's hometown. Yeah. I knew that this was an area that was populated. And so 2007 is the year when I finally traveled to that area. And on the coast, there is a city called Eleusia Sebas. Uh, it was a Roman city on the coast. And I was examining the ruins there. And um, this individual pulled up on a motor scooter, parked his motor scooter and started walking out on the ruins toward me. And I thought, oh, this guy's gonna complain that I'm in the ruins, I shouldn't be there. He's gonna tell me you know, to get out of there, but he did. Uh, This guy's name was Davut, and, uh, you know, he asked me the same question. What's your name? Where are you from? What are you doing? And I told him, I'm looking for ancient cities and sites. And so Davut spent the next two days with me, showing me around. Sometimes I was in the back of his motor scooter. At other times, he was in my car. Showed me several sites, just very briefly. One of the sites was this place that the Turkish people called Çatı we don't know what the ancient city name was. It's long since disappeared. So he dropped me off by the side of the road and he didn't actually follow me in, into a deep ravine. And then you have to climb up the central ridge. And the brush is dense. So you're pushing yourself through the brush, you're getting scratched, um, spider webs, things of that sort. And, and like I say, he's. He was by the side of the road. And uh, actually what he did is he left, actually. (laughs) came back (laughs) later to pick me up because he knew I was gonna spend some time there. What you could see from the road was there was a a very well-preserved temple of Hermes. At that time, of course, I didn't know it was from Hermes. I could identify that later with a watchtower. And that's what my objective was, is to see the fortification, the watchtower, and the temple in particular. Yeah. As I was climbing the central ridge, and again, it's not easy to get up because it's very steep, so I had to negotiate my way up. But as I was ascending on my left-hand side, there was a structure, and as I looked at the structure, you could see the lintel, that is the top of the door, and it had etched in it a menorah, Hmm. a very crudely cut menorah. Okay, which indicates its antiquity. It was not a stylized menorah, such as you would see during the Byzantine period. And I looked at that and thought, hmm, I can't be, I can't be the first person to see this. So I took several photographs and then continued to climb. I examined the structure, continued to climb, examined the rest of the uh, structures that were on the Central Ridge. When I got home, I started doing research to see who else had been there. And nobody else had been there, except a British explorer. His name was J. Theodore Bent. And he had visited the site more than 130 years ago. But he didn't see the synagogue. He described the Hermes Temple. He described fortification walls. He also described a couple of inscriptions, which I likewise saw. So I know he was describing the same place. Mm -hmm. Not a word. He didn't mention a word about the synagogue. Wow! So I started to write up an article on it. This article was later published by the Biblical Archaeology Review, and uh, and that after that, event, of course others asked me more and more about it, and I've spoken on several venues wow. about the discovery.
1: Listen, nobody can follow you around. I don't know how anybody would keep, keep up with you. You, have, you just climb in the craziest places. You're not a typical tour guide of any sort.
3: Well, I'm just Maybe
0: that may be true, but it's all, about, all a matter of desire. Yeah.
1: yeah. How sure. bad
0: do you want it? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm willing to encounter an occasional spider, snake. I'm, I'm willing to get cut up and scratched. You could yeah. you should see me after some of these journeys. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm like scabs all over the place.
1: <laughs> yeah, a typical tour through Jerusalem might be kind of boring for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm doing one of those this summer.
1: Oh, are you Oh, awesome? going to be
0: Jerusalem in, in Israel. So
1: okay, with a typical tour? Or you're that's yeah,
0: typical, you know, if I if I take a group, I don't take a group to these remote sites. <laughs> you not through the gauntlet, are you? <laughs> yeah, you, you can't get a bus back there, for that matter. Yeah. Know, there's a yeah. lot of climbing. Most people are not in shape to do some climbing. Most people, even if they were in shape, don't want to go through the mess that I go through. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I understand that. So uh, oh. the groups that I lead are a little more tame.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's totally impressive what you do. So can you share some archaeological finds for the existence of Christ, like outside of the New Testament that you found?
0: Well, not that I found. I mean, there's uh, a lot of texts that indicate the existence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we've got not, not only, you know, hundreds of, of Christian texts from the what we call the patristic writings or the early church fathers, uh, how how can you discount the existence of Christ based upon the massive amount of literature that describes the life of Christ?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But what's also interesting is that uh, we have uh, pagan sources, Roman sources, Jewish sources that also acknowledge the existence of Christ.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, when it comes to archeological items, uh, naturally, you're not gonna find bones of Jesus, clothing of Jesus, you're not gonna find a cross of Jesus, Um, The early Christian church uh, had a fascination with relics, you know, bones of John the Baptist, piece of the cross. Uh, None of that's authentic. Mm -hmm. Okay, So, you know, it's hard to find anything archaeologically that directly relates to Jesus. Now, what you can find are artifacts that confirm the narrative of the scriptures, the Mm -hmm. culture, the surroundings. And so when you go to Turkey, you find a lot of those things that that confirm and corroborate what you read about in the Acts of the Apostles. In Turkey, you find some of the earliest churches that you find anywhere in the world, Mm -hmm. even earlier than churches in Israel. The reason for that is the Christian community was pushed out of Israel due to the persecution. The primary locus where these Christians settled was Turkey. And so if you go to this area that I've been doing research you know, Cilicia, as I just mentioned, you find several churches that date back to the fourth century. Mm
1: -hmm. Those are the earliest
0: churches anywhere in the world. Now you say fourth century, why not earlier? Well, it's because Christianity was an underground movement persecuted by the Romans up until the Edict of Milan in 313 AD. Mm. The Edict of Milan jointly issued by uh, Constantine and Licinius that made Christianity legal for the first time. And as a consequence, then churches were were built. Prior to that, there were no churches. The Christians met in homes. And of course, how are you going to identify a home as a a church?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: They didn't have churches, they didn't have crosses that they put on the outside right? because that would identify them. And then the Roman authorities would know where to go to seek out these Christians. Yeah, exactly. Away with
3: yeah. and it's amazing to think how much is written about him in ancient times about jesus even though it's a guy that just had a three-year ministry yeah think about yeah. it and mm-hmm. just the amount of stuff that we have just talking about this one little preacher for a three-year ministry mm-hmm. it, it just kind of it it kind of proves it kind of proves the gospel mm-hmm. i mean yeah. it proves that there's something more going on here mm-hmm. for sure yeah
0: i mean it's Jesus, of course, had a profound impact on the world even today.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. And
0: uh, to dismiss that as as non-historical. Every now and then you have a crackpot, somebody who says that that Jesus never existed. And uh, I look at those things and say, oh, come on. Oh, come on. How ridiculous can you get? Uh, This is a person who's either totally ignorant of the historical data that supports the existence of Christ, Mm -hmm. or they're intentionally trying to manipulate people into Mm -hmm. believing that that there was never a historical figure like jesus
2: Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. for sure
3: so before we started recording you mentioned a newer find the underwater basilica at nicaea so tell us about what's going on there
0: (laughs) yeah um nicaea of course is uh famous because of the nicaean Nicaean creed most Mm -hmm. people are familiar with this there are seven ecumenical councils, all of them took place in Turkey. The first one was the Council of Nicaea. And of course, this was foundational for the Christian faith. In the year 2014, aerial photography over the lake that is just to the west of the city of Iznik. Iznik is the same city, Nicaea. So if I use the word Iznik or Nicaea, we're talking about the same exactly. place. Yeah. But uh, aerial photography of the lake revealed that there is a submerged structure just offshore from Nicaea. So they then contacted Mustafa Shaheen, who's the uh, chair of the archaeology department at Bursa University. Actually, it's called Uluda University at Bursa, Bursa is one of the largest cities in Turkey. And so he went up and investigated and began the next year, 2015, to Excavate the underwater basilica, which takes a tremendous amount of skill because naturally it's underwater. Yeah. Um, a couple of years later, he contacted me and asked if I would collaborate with him on the research. Uh, he does uh, archaeology; he's great. He's an excellent archaeologist. He's has had experience in underwater archaeology, but it, his strengths are not in the Byzantine period. And so he asked me to collaborate. And as a consequence, uh, I've joined the team. Mm.
2: Uh,
0: this last year, I was awarded a, uh, a Fulbright Research Scholarship.
2: Mm. And so I
0: spent six months just prior to this semester in Turkey uh, doing research there at NICE, And it's an exciting, exciting discovery.
1: That's so cool. Oh, that's awesome. So again, now, if, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, if I could add to that.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, the Basilica was originally a Marturian. Marturian is a, a church, a Basilica church, a large church that was built to commemorate a martyr. That's why it's called a Marturian. And so doing research, we discover that an individual by the name of Neo Futos was executed prior to the Edict of Milan. The early Christians at Nicaea remembered where Neophytos was buried, and that became a holy site. In the years thereafter, Christians were buried near Neophytos' tomb. And this was quite common among the Christians. As a matter of fact, if you go to the Vatican in Rome, um, St. Peter's tomb is surrounded by the, the tombs of many other Christians. So mm-hmm. people who had uh, become martyrs or saints for that matter the early christians wished to be buried out around him Hmm. later on after the edict of milan a a basilica a larger structure was built out around the tomb which also included many of the tombs of the people who had been buried near near neofutos so through the excavations, we've discovered 36 tombs wow 18 of them are inside of the church the other 18 are out and around the church. So this helps to corroborate, to substantiate the fact that this was not just a church that was built, but was originally built to commemorate and to memorialize neo They also discovered a small token. The token was made of terracotta. It's not a coin, so it's not metallic. And on the coin, we have Christ Pantocrator, Jesus Christ seated upon a throne with a cross behind him and a halo which indicates that this was a place of pilgrimage. Hmm. It was probably a place of pilgrimage for two reasons. Number one, people pilgrimaging to the place where Neoputas was executed. But also, this church was probably the church where the Nicaean Council first met. What? <laughs> there are 15 yeah. churches that have been discovered in Nicaea, but none of them dated to the fourth century, except this
3: one. Except this one. Oh, wow. Wow.
0: So again, all the evidence seems to indicate that this was the place where the Council of Nicaea had, how, uh, had taken place.
3: And how fascinating to just be. You're finding pieces of things and putting that story together. That's just totally That's fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. that's part of the research. It's it's part of not only looking at the remains, but then how do you interpret the remains? Right, yeah. Yeah. How do you
1: excavate underwater?
0: Well, (laughs) well, first of all, I don't do any of the underwater excavating. (laughs) I actually wanted to strap on some of the scuba gear, but I've had no training whatsoever. So (laughs) I actually didn't do any of the excavating. But they've got people who are trained in scuba, and they'll take a suction hose out there. Okay? What they'll do is very carefully remove debris and suck up what uh, is the surface uh, of, uh, you know, a lot of the mud and the silt and whatever else there is uh, at the bottom of the lake. And then that's brought up on the shore. And then once it's on shore, of course, it's sifted and examined. You can find coins. We've got a number of coins that have been found and the coins help us to date the basilica. There's nails that are found which indicate that the structure was at at some point wooden later it was replaced with a masonry church Hmm. and uh so that's that's basically how it's done oh well like
1: a giant puzzle right yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: so do they this might be a silly question, but I've never been a part of anything like that. Did they re did they rebuild that in minor, like in a smaller form somewhere else, where they're kind of putting together what they're seeing there and rebuilding it somewhere else to, as a visual? Well,
0: the plan is that they want to make a, an underwater museum. Okay. And, and there's not enough as it stands right now, there are not enough pieces to really erect the church as it was originally. Yeah. Uh, probably earthquake destruction is what is in the shifting of the tectonic plates mm-hmm. is what's caused that uh, lake to be submerged because naturally nobody builds a basilica underwater. Right. It was yeah. once on the, the beach, <laughs> uh, but like I say, the, in the whole area, this is part of the northern Anatolian fault line. So we know that there are, are earthquakes that are taking place yeah. you know, over the past 1900 years. Uh, I can show you actually a a picture of all the dots where, which represent the epicenter of dozens upon dozens of earthquakes that have taken place over the years. Slowly that has caused the church to be submerged.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. So you have a wife. How does she, how does she, does she ever travel with you? And do you, can you sit and have these conversations? Does she keep up with your thought processes (laughs) and She just, you know, she just happy to let you go and and do your Indiana Mark thing.
0: Well, mostly what you just stated, she's happy to let me go and (laughs) do my research. She does not travel well. Mm -hmm. She gets motion sickness. Mm. She doesn't like to take pills like Dramamine or other things of that sort. You know, it it makes you feel sluggish, sluggish, lethargic. and, And she doesn't like that. But I have pestered her for years to (laughs) accompany me. Once she gets on site, she enjoys it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's just the travel getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And so she did it once. So she has gone to Turkey. She is actually at Nicaea with me as well. Okay. And, uh, but that's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've
0: I've since, you know, since that, that's been about maybe four or five years ago. I've revisited it with my wife and I was hoping that that would be a, a breakthrough. (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, an icebreaker like hey now i'm ready to go
2: <laughs> but
0: uh the response is i did it once now i've done yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've done it i've done it once you know it's like don't don't pester me so, yeah you thought you were gonna
3: have your official indiana mark sidekick but yeah, it didn't work out
2: right
0: yeah yeah yeah, how yeah how i'd love is, to have her continue how to he how many years yeah yeah we we're on uh 44 years
2: Oh wow, wow that's,
3: that's awesome! We've
0: been, we've been married 44 years. Fantastic. So I, I was lucky.
3: It's yeah. all worked out. It seems like. So. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Opposite <laughs> to track.
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from from my perspective, it's tough being away from home for six months.
2: Oh
3: yeah.
0: Sure. So I've got this Fulbright. I've I've been in Turkey for that long. That's the longest period of time. Yeah. I was in Turkey uh, at at one time. I've been there three yeah. months previously, but six months was was much longer.
1: Yeah. So as a wife, if he was gone for that long, I would be wondering what kind of dangerous things he's gotten himself into. So what kind of precarious situations have you found yourself in? Anything super dangerous or scary that you were fearful or do you not think? Do you not think, (laughs) you know, when you're climbing through snakes and spiders
0: again, you know, I don't I don't do social uh, media, Mm -hmm. but I was talked into doing face uh, time. because it's Once a way that I can, up. I can post a picture and let people know that I'm alive and kicking, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, Darlene can see that, my kids can see that, students and other people who are concerned can see, you know, where I am and what I'm doing. But when you talk about precarious situations, there've been many times where um, I've climbed and, and I don't use ropes, but um, if you fall, That's going to be the end of it. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, And I think I can measure myself. I I think I know what I can do safely, and I take risks, but I don't don't take huge risks Mm -hmm. because if you take huge risks, sooner or later you're going to lose that gamble.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And and so, uh, yeah, I've done several instances where, uh, to give you an example, okay. I almost lost my drone this last summer. Terrible situation. You know, this is a $3,000 drone. Oh, wow. and, and I um, was stupid because I let the battery get down too far. And I thought, yeah, I can get it back. Well, unfortunately, I didn't get it back because what happens with the drone, and I didn't know this, is it starts shutting down systems to save power to land safely. Oh. Okay. So it shuts off the camera. So you don't know where it's at. Yeah. when It gets really too low. And so at any rate, it dropped down a canyon. It's called Satan's Valley. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, yeah, seriously, course. I'm not making this up. This <laughs> but uh, it is it is a, a drop off that, that goes down eight, nine hundred feet. OK, so it actually goes down several hundred feet and then there's a shelf and then it goes down the rest of the way to the canyon floor. And on the side of the uh, the canyon, you have relief carvings that are cut and that's what i was primarily filming these relief carvings when it fell down so it went down and uh, i've actually climbed down to where the relief carvings are on several occasions but this time i was up on top right when the camera dropped so at any rate the camera or i should say that the drone dropped okay i figured i gotta go down and find it and so i went down looked all over the place i couldn't find it thinking it probably went down further into the canyon. And I'd never actually gone down further into the canyon because it's very dangerous.
1: Yeah, It's very and steep. You have no ropes.
0: And I have no ropes. <laughs> and I did some stupid things where I climbed down even further to try and find it where I was taking more risk than I ordinarily do. But this is my drone. Yeah, (laughs) $3,000. Yeah. So, you know, I looked down there as much as I could. I couldn't find it. It's getting dark. And I said to myself, I got to get out of this canyon before it completely enshrouds me in darkness. Because I'm either going to sleep here tonight uh, or, you know, I'm going to take even more risks to try and find footholds and handholds to climb back up out of this canyon. So I climbed up out of it and... uh, so I looked for the next two days, couldn't find it, but then I had some Turkish friends and I had mentioned to them uh, about uh, dropping the drone down into the canyon. And so these were some young kids who lived there. I think they knew how to get down a little bit better. They found it for
1: me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. That is crazy. Uh, so you really
3: are Indiana, more. Yeah
1: that's called um free soloing by the way when you scale a rock you know with nothing
0: yeah (laughs) but i'm not doing what you know you've you've no doubt seen some of those videos of these guys who are climbing el capitan yeah yeah. i'm not not doing that (laughs) stuff
2: that's totally crazy yeah yeah
3: just one little misstep and you're you're toast yeah Yeah. i don't i don't get it at all um
0: so you know for a lot of them, it's it's an adrenaline rush.
3: Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Absolutely. You
0: know, and, and, you know, to be honest, I get a little bit of that just finding what I can find right. in Turkey. You know, you, yeah. you realize that you're a place that scant few people in the world have ever been. Yeah. Uh, some of the local Turkish people have been there, but they don't even know what they're looking at. They don't know what they're looking at, at right, right, yeah. You know, so it, it, to me, it's, it's really exciting. And that's really what motivates me mm-hmm. uh, to go back and, and to do what I do
2: yeah
3: so in all your in all your archaeological work how has that changed how you teach now and how has that changed your like personal faith your personal walk
0: well you know you had asked me earlier about archaeological evidence that supports the new testament and what i'm finding is archaeological evidence supports the new testament so it's Mm -hmm. reaffirming my faith yeah my faith has always been strong but it becomes even stronger
2: Mm
3: -hmm. One of the
0: things that I share with with people all the time is I can guarantee that for the next 100, 200 years, the great archaeological discoveries are coming from Turkey. Wow! Because if you look at Israel, most of Israel has been excavated, especially the important sites.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: You look at Greece, same thing, Rome, even Egypt. But Turkey has never welcomed archaeologists Mm -hmm. like they are now. And so Turkey is now opening up to the West. And so as a consequence, we're able to see more. And as a consequence, we're able to discover more. Mm -hmm. So like I say, that has affirmed my faith a lot. Um, On on top of that, you ask about my teaching. I photograph everything,
2: Mm -hmm. especially
0: inscriptions, because inscriptions tell a story, give you a little peek, a window into the past. But uh, what I do is is a lot of these photographs I share with my students in class. Every class I bring my laptop in, I hook it up to the projector, and we're looking at some of the artifacts that pertain to the Bible.
2: Yeah, and,
0: you know, we're we're discovering also that students today are not like students when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it's all audio. You listen to the professor, you write down notes, things of that sort. Of. I think students today it's hard for them to connect in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to see things. All right. And so uh, that's a, a way that I'm able to grab their attention and to uh, to share with them the excitement of mm-hmm. the Bible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. when that's I great. totally
3: get that because when I was in college with lecture, I'm a visual learner being an artist. Mm-hmm. So I would just start doodling characters and all this stuff during the lecture. And I'm like, okay, I need to find an art school. So I ended up going to art school. But just the lecture, <laughs> lectures weren't the way I was going to learn. Yeah. So I, I love that you incorporate the pictures and you're putting them on site mm-hmm. virtually, but you're putting them on site
0: to see the real thing. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: you'd probably have a heck of a following on TikTok, Mark.
0: <laughs> well, as I mentioned, I don't do social media, so I'm not TikTok in any <laughs> the, the only media I've got is is the, the Facebook. And yeah, yeah. I wasn't the one who really came up with the idea. Students <laughs> actually pushed me into it. You know,
1: you into years it.
0: ago when, when Facebook was exploding, students were saying, Hey, you, you gotta do this. You gotta I get this. Nah, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually I put up a page and it's actually quite convenient. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't have to write emails.
3: Scrolling through it and it was so cool to see all that stuff.
1: Yeah, so cool. Yeah. We appreciate you being on Facebook, even if you're not on TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Scott is at the gym pretty much every day. So if you ever need a sidekick, I mean. Yeah, there you go. He probably would go through some weeds and trees and anything else with you.
3: Well, we need to know, class one day. Mm
0: -hmm. Bring your camera, you know, and come with me. Really? Yeah. You know, I I travel by myself usually because nobody else wants to go with me.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But if if you're game, Mm -hmm. seriously, if you're game. Oh, I would
3: totally go. Yeah. You're talking yeah. to the right person. And he has
1: a job that would allow him to go. So yeah. 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 yeah.
2: We'll,
3: that's we'll that's for
1: you. that's for a later conversation, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like uh-huh. you're right.
2: <laughs> that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Mark, we just can't thank you enough for taking time to talk to us. You are mind-blowing knowledge and continue to learn more and more. We learn from you, and you continue to learn more from your trips. And so we just thank you for taking time just to share a little glimpse into your ending in a Mark world with us. It's a,
0: it's a pleasure, and, and uh, you can probably tell I like talking about these yeah. things. So I, love I get it. an opportunity. I don't tell people no. <laughs>
1: well, we,
3: well, and I'm we, totally yeah. ready to be your travel buddy, yeah. so we'll talk soon. Yeah,
1: we'll make that work.
3: Okay, all right.
1: <laughs> That's okay. right. All right.
3: Blessings Thanks, to you all. You all too. Right, Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you well rebecca it looks like i'm going to turkey right. i could be gone three to six months apparently i'm good, I'm
1: good with that you take a lot of pictures and keep track of mark because my goodness he's well i'm
3: sticking with mark because he's the only way i'm getting in and out of there you stick with mark but you keep oh, yeah. your gps
1: on you yes definitely okay. i'll facetime you and the whole time and don't climb to the satan's canyon <laughs> hey satan's God, valley whatever it's called i'm you're staying out of that
3: that was so perfect for that story yeah. Uh, oh, it fell into Satan's Valley. Of course, it did, Mark.
1: Right. And no. he
3: scales down to go find it. I, oh, I can't wait to do this. That's test. just
1: a very short list of probably things that I'm going to say no to Satan's Valley. But <laughs> anything else? Any other snakes you want to wrestle? Not this
3: time, Satan. No,
1: <laughs> you can do all the other things. Eat all the fun food. Who knows what he's eating over there? I mean,
3: what a cool guy. Well, yeah, and this is right down my alley. Hey, I'll, I'll I'll carry his bags anywhere.
1: How do we get to Indiana to take his class?
3: I don't know. We got to find a cheap flight on kayak. And I mean, he barely has a there. phone,
1: so I bet he's probably not going to FaceTime us in on any classes. We need to find one of his students who's like a 25-year-old and be like, we'll pay you 100 bucks to just FaceTime us through his class. Yeah, They would totally do it. Any college kid would take 100 bucks to FaceTime.
3: We're probably going to scare them because that's stranger danger on the Internet.
1: They don't care about that. Oh, okay. That. Only 50-year-olds care about oh, that. really? Okay. You're sounding old. <laughs> Listen, you got to get to the gym. Get ready to go to this turkey. Oh, I'm training now. Yeah, it's time to go. It's go time. Are you ready?
3: Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do it.
1: We hope you enjoyed this because we, I mean, we're like, I'm kind of fired up right now. Yeah, I'm stoked. Like,
3: I'm ready to go climb I know. something.
1: Like my back's starting to sweat. I'm getting I'm getting like fired up. I'm
3: going to go outside and climb the house and just hang out on the roof for a minute.
1: No, don't do that.
3: See if I can find any archaeology geeks archaeology finds up there. Okay. From our house built in 2008. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to find much, but I'm going to try. It's
1: a new roof, so you're probably not.
3: No, no. no.
1: Good luck to you, though. Yep. Alright, we hope you enjoyed this like we did because, oh my gosh, so fascinating. Party Party Five and a Half over and out.
3: We'll see you next time.